Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Hiba Shabazz is a Brooklyn-based artist who trained in miniature painting at the National College of Arts in Lahore, Pakistan, and received an MFA in painting from Pratt Institute in New York City. In addition to exhibiting her work internationally in galleries and fairs, including the Vienna Art Fair and Spring Break Art Show in New York City, Hiba has curated exhibitions of miniature paintings in Pakistan and India. She was an artist-in-residence at the Vermont Studio Center in the Wasaic Project, and has taught miniature painting as part of the Alfred Z. Solomon Residency at the Tang Museum. She is an artist instructor at the Art Students League in New York City and is represented by Terry Goldberg Gallery. She has an upcoming exhibition, Reclaimed Baggage, at the Northern Illinois University Art Museum, as well as several upcoming group exhibitions. I stopped by Hiba's studio in Bushwick, and we spoke about her days making paintings in Pakistan, her time as a student at Pratt, music in the studio, finding quiet headspace, and much more. Here's our conversation. Um, yeah, so the reason I got interested in your work and wanted to talk to you was just because I, just seeing it online, I hadn't seen your show, because you had a show at Terry Goldberg, right? I did. Which I missed. Sorry. I apologize. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> but I did see your work online, and I was really interested in it. Oh, thanks. And um, and then seeing the scale of it, because when I saw the reproductions at first, they seemed like miniatures or something small on paper, and it definitely had the feeling of paper. But then seeing the the images that you were posting in the studio, obviously it was much larger scale work. Yeah, it expanded a lot. After the Terry Goldberg show, mm -hmm. I started um, working much larger. And that's what you see now. Is that the first time you worked this scale? Or were you doing that in school beforehand? Because no, you went to Pratt, right? I did. Um, you were doing small scale yeah, works on paper? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I trained as a miniaturist mm -hmm. in, for undergrad. Right. And... Um, so when I got here, that's what I was doing, and that's what I've done since I was 18. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, like, I thought of expanding the scale at Pratt, but mm -hmm. I don't think I was ready. Um, so a lot of, like, the last three years has been just learning how to paint larger. Well, when did you first get interested in painting? Did you do, were you doing it as a kid? Yeah. 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 I've always painted. But it was just some, were you something you were doing at school or at home or who did you teach yourself at an early age or? Because miniature painting is a specific kind of. I mean, I'm sure you weren't doing that when you were, you know, no. five years old. But <laughs> but that's a very specific learned process, right? Yeah. But that's what you went to art school for, or you went to school for. Yes. In Pakistan, right? Yes. Okay. So when did you first start painting, just in general? I think I always, like, I can't remember not painting. Mm -hmm. um, I used to make these really tiny drawings, which um, I used to get these scrolls of paper when I was a kid and mm -hmm. 
make these weird landscapes with mountains and people and the figures used to be like an inch big and I used to make them with a flashlight in my bed <laughs> when I was supposed to be sleeping. Uh-huh. So I think I've done it for a really long time. Yeah. And um, I wasn't really planning to be anything else. My did dad you? wanted me to be a doctor. <laughs> really? <laughs> what, yeah. I mean, did you from an early age think, oh, this is just what I want to do every day? Or did you think, I want to do this professionally? Like, I want to go to school and, and try to, to, to take it to sort of a professional level. You know what I mean? Well... Or was it just a hobby back then? You know, there is like... Now there are two art schools in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, there was maybe 1.5. Um, and my dad went to it. and um, Was he an artist? Once long before I was born yeah (laughs) then he went into television Mm -hmm. um and I guess I just assumed I was gonna go there like I didn't really I didn't really think about it too much um yeah I mean I I studied sciences in school because my dad was planning on sending me to medical school and um, I had a really great art teacher I used to go see on the side sounds wrong but (laughs) like you took private lessons or I did Um, she was a friend's mom Mm -hmm. and um, then I ended up taking art for A-levels which is I guess the British equivalent of high school mm-hmm. and doing really badly <laughs> and then I went to art school right did was really badly really? <laughs> <laughs> was the woman who was giving you lessons was she showing you like what kind of technique was she showing you oh well just color or no I know? mean she didn't really show techniques it was so it was more for fun it was, yeah, with me, she was really kind of do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes she would set up a still life or send me to the garden to paint. Um, or she would tell me, you know, work with pencils today or work with pastels. But there was no, like, uh, technical direction. Yeah, no rules. No rules. That's cool. <laughs> so when you were in school, you felt like you weren't good at it? Were no, I was okay, yeah. but um, I always used to test really badly, and the there were o- tests, art tests. Yeah, I mean, the OA level system is all about testing. Yeah. So I probably did fine in art, but in general, I wasn't the best student. I see. Mm. But there were art tests. Oh yeah. Yeah. Everything and was, was it, graded. And it's just all technique based. Yeah. Not conceptual based. No, well, I think the middle school was more technical, mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't allowed to take art at that point, to kind of fight for it. Right. Um, and what is that noise? And uh, <laughs> sorry. It's the heat, right? Oh yeah, it's, it sounds so far away because mm. of the. Headphones. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> 
by the time I got there, a lot of people knew how to, you know, do traditional watercolor and charcoal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never really learned any of that. I just kind of like did my own thing and prayed. Yeah. Was art school there? I mean, were you taking different classes in different media? It was just kind of like a painting class. How was it organized? Similar to, you know, Pratt's layout? Um, no, it's really different. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all the fine arts students kind of went through the same process. There was a foundation year. We didn't really have any theory or study any other subjects. It was, we had blocks, mm-hmm. so um, like we had to, we had one day of drawing, one day of drafting, one day of sculpture, things like that. And then we had to like do an intensive, like a month of sculpture, a month of painting, a month of miniature and a month of printmaking, those were the four things they had. Mm-hmm. And then we had to choose. But like in the first year, it's a very kind of a competitive old pre-partition school. They used to fail us like every single day. Every single student would fail. <laughs> for <laughs> Daily grades? Months. Yeah. Just to motivate you? Just yeah. to motivate us. And then they would slowly start passing us in Mm -hmm. the second semester and then if you didn't like pass and by that I mean like make 50% there were no like 90 percentiles Um, if you didn't make at least 50% magically you were chucked out of school oh really yeah (laughs) so you were motivated yeah was it fear like were you afraid that you were going to fail out or did it motivate you in a good way or was it kind of I think we were just like they tried to like they try to really grind you down. Yeah. Like the teaching process is not very like American in that you're encouraged to like you're like, Oh, this is a great drawing. Mm-hmm. It's like your teacher will walk in, tear your drawing, throw it in the trash can and say, Why did you come to art school? And then she'll <laughs> walk up. So that kind of changes the bar for how people here feel like like, you know, fine arts programs are, are too tough or the critiques are too hard. No. I mean, can you imagine someone in Pratt like walking in, tearing up your drawing? You'd probably no. be kicked out of yeah. as a faculty. <laughs> yeah, like um, a lot of people also dropped out because of that. Like they, yeah. their aim is to weed out anyone who can't do it yeah the weak like separating the weak from the strong it's terrible (laughs) it's like those modern movies that they're making you know about genetics Mm -hmm. and yeah it's awful yeah only Um, the best only the most talented will get through basically but how many like you know really bad people not really bad but people who didn't do well in art school because they're just not school people but they're really talented artists I guess the the idea would be that they would still somehow go on to to do it or they would have the drive to make it, you know, just like in musicians. You know, there's Mm -hmm. some who couldn't go to school for music and read sheet music, but they can start a punk band and be a huge success, you know, like do really well. Yeah. And make great music. Yeah. But I guess maybe the, you know, 
the school there felt that this was the best way to get the best out of all the students. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of an outdated system of teaching. Um, But that's just what they were doing. And um, I mean, in general, there isn't that much encouragement in education in Pakistan unless you are studying at the American school, Mm -hmm. which is a very different system. Um, People actually want to help you get to college. Um, I think also, like, because my dad went there, um, and they take really few students, there's a testing process to get in, and the students who get in um, have a very subsidized tuition. Mm -hmm. It's like something ridiculous, like 3,000 rupees, which is $30. That's pretty affordable. <laughs> it's very affordable. <laughs> so um, it's like a, basically if you get in, you're getting the scholarship or you're getting like the tuition isn't going to be high. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because, nice. Yeah. It's only it was like um, part private and part government schools. Yeah. So it was funded by partially funded by the government. Almost makes up for the cruel and ruthless <laughs> process of going through the school. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I would, like, I wouldn't really trade it for anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't, I guess I didn't really understand what a terrible teacher I was until I got here. Mm -hmm. And everyone was so nice. (laughs) I was like, what's wrong with What's wrong with everyone? And you had kind of shadowed yourself after the teachers that you experienced, right? Oh, for sure. I think that happens, you know. I was like a crazy person. (laughs) Well, you have to know your demographic, too. You know, it's like getting the most out of students in certain places at certain ages is different than others. You know what I mean? It's like I coach little kids soccer. And when I was growing up, our coaches were so strict. You know, like if you were goofing off doing practice, you had to just run laps for 20 minutes. That's not today. Like, they don't do that anymore. Oh, really? You know what I mean? It's like a total different thing. So when I first started coaching, I would take the approach that my coach had, which was like the no-nonsense, really stern. And kids today, they just don't take to that kind of, you know, response. They just shut down. They don't want to, Yeah. They, you know. So you have to you have to kind of know your crowd, I guess. Yeah. So do, you, do you keep in touch with some of the students that you went to school with? In Pakistan? Um, yeah, I mean... Are they are they making art? Or are oh they yeah. doing... That's what they're doing? Like, almost all the fine art students become artists. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that's something to be said, I guess, I guess for that process. Because yeah. how many people graduate from a... Fi- you know, get a BFA here and end yeah. up not making artwork? Probably a lot, you know. I mean, I guess they're right when they say you really have to suffer for your art. <laughs> Well, I guess it teaches you, you know, it gives you like backbone and persistence and, you yeah. know, it makes you, it, you know, that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger sort of thing. So it was touch and go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was also, yeah, I mean, um, I see them when I go back mm-hmm. and um, I don't, we don't really work together just because, you know, yeah, the content. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 
I know all of them and uh, there's so many of them are in different parts of the world mm -hmm. working and um, yeah so so when you graduated you did you immediately think I want to I want to go to school outside like I want to take on another school like spend more time learning but outside of this kind of environment or did you take time in between yeah I took like um, a decade really <laughs> almost I took six seven years wow yeah and the whole time what, what were you working on like what was your work like what were you interested in um i imagine you weren't making this work no <laughs> it was all figurative yeah and it was all nude mm -hmm. uh but it was small mm -hmm. kind of more like that work yeah but it was there was no color i think what medium were you using the same tea I was using tea, ink, ink um, black watercolor, mm -hmm. which, and um, I was like showing a little, but not a lot. Should I close the window? Oh, it's okay with me, unless it's too okay. bright for you. Just if it starts coming in your eyes. Okay, I'm good. It's okay. nice. <laughs> it's really nice light in here. You're like, oh, I'm in Florida. <laughs> it feels, yeah, after being in that really cold weather, this is a nice change. Yeah, it's... <laughs> um, in that work that you were doing there, what kind of paper were you using? I was using um, Vasli, which is this handmade paper mm -hmm. uh, made specifically for miniature paintings, which is also yeah. that paper. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, but there were no like there were no faces in the work. They were all faceless, or all the figures had their backs turned. Mm -hmm. um, you know, plausible deniability. Right. <laughs> there are figures, but there's no I identity to them, really. Yeah. No specific identity. Yeah. And you didn't necessarily want them to be that way, or you did. I think. It was, um, I made that decision kind of unconsciously, mm -hmm. just because of where I live. Right. And um, I didn't really think about it too much because we kind of all adapt to our yeah. environments. Um, yeah, so I did that for a while and I was teaching a lot. Mm -hmm. um, In miniature painting? No, no, no. no. I was uh, teaching drawing uh, at the university level and I was teaching like kids um, third to sixth grade mm -hmm. and then higher but then I stopped working with the kids completely they were so cute but I couldn't lift them and carry them around anymore <laughs> <laughs> it's exhausting right it is, yeah. it is yeah. it's a different kind of teaching yeah we had like in this so I taught at the school I went to, mm -hmm. and the classes are like 30 kids a class. So it's a lot of kids jumping in your lap. Yeah. <laughs> it's more like organizing the chaos yeah. than actual <laughs> art instruction. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. fun though, right? No, it was great. I loved it. Like, I really loved it. Now, like, I have students who are married, who have kids. Um, <laughs> 
I like that that was barely audible, but... <laughs> yeah, when I was uh, coming here, um, my last uh, flight here, I ran into a student with a stroller at the airport. Mm -hmm. And they all called me ma'am. Really? It's terrible. <laughs> um, ma'am or miss. So, yeah. It's great. So you stopped working with the kids. It did. And then you just taught at the university. Yeah, but you didn't you didn't start teaching miniatures till you miniature painting till you got here. Correct? Yeah. Okay. And even that, like over here I teach in very reduced capacity. Mm -hmm. Like I'll teach a couple of days after every few months. But I don't teach regularly anymore. Um I think I was a good teacher. I'm sure you were. <laughs> um, not a terrible teacher when I was really into teaching, mm -hmm. but now I'm in this weird place where I can't multitask. Yeah. Like I can barely sit here and talk at the same time. <laughs> it's really bad. Um, so it's really hard for me to make my classes, like get to class to teach right. when I'm painting. Because your headspace is yeah. kind of here. It's just, yeah. Are you, um, so that must be tough though with the day to day, with all the stimulus we have and all that, you know, because you, you have a computer in here and you have a phone. Yeah. Do you just turn it off? Like, what's your, so when you come to the studio, not to go off on mm -hmm. a tangent, but when you come here, do you sort of turn everything off, get into a quiet space and just work for a while? Or do you listen to music? Do you, are you letting some things in? Or? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I listen to music. And my phone is always on silent. Mm -hmm. I put it on today because if it's on silent and someone comes to visit, they right. can't get I in. Would, I would still be outside if it was yeah. on silent. <laughs> it has happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with everything going wrong, I'm since this morning, I'm trying to be extra conscientious. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I just, I come in super early, like, no one is going to call me in the morning because mm -hmm. most people don't reach out before 10 a.m. anyway. Isn't it the best time to work? Oh, it's I so feel good. like it's the best time. I didn't realize it until I was in graduate school because I used to work late, especially in undergraduate school. Oh, I'd work yeah. all night through the night. and. And I, but I think I wanted more social interaction then, but I got to a point to where I just wanted to be able to work yeah. in peace and quiet. And then I realized in school that everyone was staying up late and no one would be up at like five in the morning. <sighs> so if you go to the studio, you get a good like three or four hours of utter silence before anything yeah. kicks in, which is really nice. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, yeah, in the morning, it's just me and Gary. Gary's a super. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's someone who's moved in. He's from L.A. They wake up early. Yeah. I have a feeling he sleeps in the studio. Hey. <laughs> um, sometimes he, like, just pops in uh, yeah. when I'm working, which is usually me in some state of disarray, lying <laughs> on the floor, like, painting something, and the door will open, uh -huh. like, 7 a.m. Um, but he's really sweet, so it's fine. Uh, but there's no one else here. Yeah. And, yeah. Except for my dad. He calls 
Oh, because of time. Is he still? Yeah. And is it Lahore? Is that it, where? No, I'm from Karachi. Karachi. So yep. the time difference. Yeah. That's a. Uh, that's it's tough. <laughs> but it's just I I wouldn't mind it. Mm-hmm. But my phone is always on silent, so then I miss his call, and then I have like this. He leaves these sing song messages for me. Oh no! I thought you were gonna say like a guilty message of like. Oh, it's totally guilty. Oh, is it? But yeah, he my sings parents. It. <laughs> Your parents do. Yeah, that the guilty too. like, well, call me if you ever get a chance. Yeah. That sort of thing. <laughs> Why aren't you answering my phone? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, parents worry. I know. Yeah. I'm glad he calls. He calls me more than anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. That probably doesn't say too much about me, but yeah. That is the way it is. And what kind of music do you listen to? What's your? I mean, are you? Is it varied or are you? Yeah, it's like all, all over, over the, the place. place. Mm-hmm. Any any things lately that you've been into? Um, it just like it changes a lot. Usually, like these days, I've been listening to YouTube mm-hmm. because they have like that autoplay thing. Right, it just kind of cycles through yeah. things. Yeah, which can also be terrible because sometimes you hear the worst stuff and then those long ads yeah. in the middle of painting and you can't get up and they're giving you like an ad about some medical condition you don't want to think <laughs> about. Maybe, maybe it's time to upgrade to uh, the Plus account so you get ad-free. Right, I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's that part is really bad. Right. But, um, is it generally high-intensity stuff or mellow or no, it's long and mellow. quiet or, you know? Yeah, like I listen to a lot of, um, I listen to everything, like whatever's playing and... My own iTunes playlist is mostly things like Leonard Cohen, Sting, Bruce Springsteen, mm-hmm. Annie Lennox, all the old people. Yeah, yeah. The greatest hits. <laughs> yeah, the greatest hits. Oldies but goodies. There's like a mood for that. And um, Prince. That was who was on when we walked in, right? Yeah. I feel like that was Prince. Yeah. The other thing which I've gotten really into is watching videos on YouTube, mm-hmm. which I think I just started doing like a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you've um, watched the Kennedy Center honors. Yeah, yeah. Those are like my favorite. And they usually have really funny hosts, right? Yeah, and they have like, um, like Beyonce will come on and mm-hmm. sing Tina Turner, and right. um, Springsteen will come on and sing Sting. So I love how they mix it up, and uh, there are so many musicians and singers. Yeah, it's just like it's just really kind of heartwarming. It makes me happy. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, well, before we go too far into the present, Hmm. I want to quickly ask you about Pratt and like what drove you to apply or to go to Pratt and how that experience was after the break between school, back home, and then going there. Um, Was it an easy transition? Was it kind of... Well, I kind of... um, I went there because my college roommate 
went there. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, oh, I went to the school. It's called Pratt. It's nice. You should check it out. <laughs> Some of the greatest uh, deals are made with just like, hey, you should check out this place. Yeah. yeah. And I hadn't been to the U.S. since, like, I think I visited once when I was seven mm-hmm. for a month. So it was based off her recommendation? I googled it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it seemed okay. Yeah. I didn't really understand like the infrastructure or, you know, the important schools versus the state schools versus like the really good schools. Mm-hmm. Like I think I found out Yale had an art department after I graduated. <laughs> I was like, what? I thought they were good for like smart stuff <laughs> <laughs> funny people have said that to me outside outside people who've been here their whole life and like really there's an art program and yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah it's not bad yeah <laughs> I've heard it's good <laughs> so um, it was I yeah I wasn't even really planning on coming I mean I was never planning on leaving home until I woke up one morning and decided it was a good idea Mm-hmm. Wait, did you wake up and have that light bulb moment when you were there or when you were here? Oh, I was there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I just woke up and realized that I wasn't happy anymore mm-hmm. and that I needed a change. And I knew my parents wouldn't, like my family, not just my parents, would be weirded out by a long residency or something. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I'll just go away for a couple of years and see how I feel yeah about change life. of environment <laughs> well I think people yeah. I mean I felt that way when I was in Pittsburgh yeah and I was growing up there and I took one semester at the University of Pittsburgh and I just had this feeling of like I have to get out of here yeah like it doesn't even really matter where I go yeah I mean I, I went to Penn State which was further away and I was away from yeah. home and yeah. it, it was great but at that point I was just like I just need to get out of like my normal environment that I've been living in for the past 18 or however many years it was, you know? Yeah. And it was great. And it wasn't that different. It was just a different environment, yeah. different people. Yeah. And the feeling of like, I didn't, although at the time it was a little overwhelming, but I didn't know anyone. Oh, I had yeah. to meet all new friends and kind of, you know, fish out of water basically. But yeah. I think it's really important to do that, you know? Yeah. In one way or another, I guess. But you took a bigger leap. I mean, you hadn't been here since you were seven, so Pratt is yeah. a whole new environment. Yeah, it was different. Um, I thought I would end up in England just because, you know, I came from a colonized country right. and they know more about miniature painting. and uh, But I think the program there was longer and I was also thinking of uh, becoming an, a citizen because mm-hmm. things at home weren't that great and um, my brother lives here and my husband uh, he went to NYU mm-hmm. so he would have been um, happier because him and, him and my brother are best friends mm-hmm. um, since childhood <laughs> so I think he would have been happier where he had friends and a community Right. so he kind of chose the city I just told him we were leaving. Yeah. And he was like, okay, we'll go to New York. And I said, fine. <laughs> Let's go. Right, right. Let's do it. That's what happened. 
So, like in a few years, I got my green card and just moved in a few months. Yeah. And how was Pratt? Did you enjoy it? It was, um, yeah, it was great. Like, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, but it was kind of really relaxed for an educational environment. Well, especially compared to what you went yeah. through. <laughs> yeah. So I had a lot of space to yeah. just paint, which is what I wanted to do. Right. Um, because when I left, I was teaching a lot more and painting a lot less. And you know that feeling where if you don't change something, it's going to become your life. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would have probably become a really good <laughs> teacher. <laughs> but um, like the painting part would have just kind of died. Yeah. So. So you were able to get a couple years of... Yeah. Nothing but painting time. Yeah. And you had a space, which is always the easiest thing to get in the city. Yeah. Straight yeah. off the bat, so. It was great. Yeah, having yeah. your own studio and stuff. What years were you there? I think I got in maybe 2010. Mm -hmm. Did you have any... Something like that. Any professors that you really connected with or any experiences there that were, you know, made a big impact? Um, or did you just kind of cruise through? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like my professors. They mm -hmm. were all really nice um, and polite and tall. Tall? They were tall. <laughs> they didn't tear up any drawings? They didn't tear up any drawings. So nice of them. They were so nice. Yeah. Um, and then there was that whole, you know, critique thing. The bitch was... Yeah, interesting. Oh yeah, how was that? Like when in your the school that you went to at home was the was there group critiques or was it more one on one or what was the dynamic of those? Because it sounds like mm -hmm. judging by the way you're describing it, I would imagine the critiques there would be really rough. I think like some of the more democratic departments, like printmaking and painting, mm -hmm. had critiques. Miniature was like. It's kind of this tradition passed down from master to apprentice, so we didn't really have critiques. You just worked. We just worked. Yeah. Yeah. But um, when you had to take those other classes, right? When you did foundation. Yeah, yeah, and they were they were tough. Like my final crit, uh, like the just before you graduate, they come in and talk to you about your thesis show. Mm -hmm. um, it was terrible. I can't talk good. about it. Yeah. Um, like for all kinds of political reasons and the subject matter and stuff. And I am I was pretty sure they were going to keep me back, but I managed to get, like, slipped through. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So. So Pratt was different. Pratt a little was more different. encouraging. It was so amazing because I kept getting good grades. And then I got like that whatever high GPA thing. We didn't dean's have list. GPA. Yeah. It, well, do they have dean's list in art schools? I don't know what it's called, but they give you like a thingy. Like an honors thing. Some kind of, yeah. A thingy. And it's always nice to get a thingy. A thingy When you is graduate. Nice. <laughs> I wonder yeah. where my thingy is. I don't know. <laughs> I never got a thingy. I don't oh. think I got a thingy. You can borrow mine. Thanks. 
Yeah, I'll make you. I'll make you honorary, honorary thingy. You can be like you can get like um, artist podcast thingy. Honorary podcaster thingy. Maybe I'll get one of those someday. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be cool. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I didn't set out to do this for that, yeah. but it would be a great perk. Yeah, like I visited <laughs> your website, and you have like almost ninety podcasts. Yeah. That's like true. episodes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I listened to at least a dozen. Yeah. At least a thousand? A dozen. <laughs> <laughs> Not a thousand. Yeah, yeah. But um Yeah, they're really good. Thanks. So you should get you should get a thingy. All right. Yeah. Let's when we finish we can email Pratt and see what they can do. Okay. Does that sound good? Yeah. So your current well when you got out of Pratt when, how long did it take before you started showing? Because your show at Terry Goldberg, when was that show? It was fairly recent. It was a long time ago now. Really? I mean, I feel like it's been over, it's been over two years. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it's not that long ago. Feels long. Feels like ages? <laughs> but um, that was your first solo outside of school? In New York, yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd shown in other places. Right. Um, but not, I didn't have a solo in New York until that. And, um, well, initially, like, when I went to Pratt, I was also doing the museum studies program because mm -hmm. I thought I wanted to be a responsible adult and get a job. Oh, right. Uh, but that didn't really work out. Like, I did the program, and I was at the Rubin Museum for a while, but I didn't want a job, so I stopped, like, curating, and I just stopped everything except for painting. Well, it sounds like you are the kind of artist who wants to be in that mental zone where you have no distractions, you know? Yeah. Like, that kind of job requires a lot of creative and visual, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Energies, and then yeah. when you get here, you're probably, you know, exhausted from that in a way visually, yeah. to where you don't feel like you can fully, you know, focus all your energies in yeah. here. Yeah, and then I'm really cranky. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're poor super. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm nice to him, <laughs> but in life, like I'm awful if I'm not painting, so. So you pretty much are an everyday in the studio person? Yeah. I have like a little corner at home mm -hmm. um, where I'm working on some small paintings. So I'm trying to like balance it mm -hmm. just because I realized uh, in, the in the beginning of the year that I just felt like painting small for a bit. Um, well, in thinking, too, about your subject matter, like the way that you're working visually, is there a shift in coming to such a dense environment in the city? I mean, your, your work doesn't... It's almost like it's in this imaginative like place that doesn't feel like, um, condensed. It doesn't feel like... I mean, there's a lot of figures at times, but it doesn't feel kind of agitated or compressed or... You know, it feels like there's a lot of air in the work. Is that, I mean, how does your environment that you're living in and working and commuting in every day, you know, have any impact on what you're doing visually in your work? 
or doesn't it? It probably um, does and doesn't. Like one of the things that happened when I moved here was I started like looking at art, which I didn't do mm-hmm. for ten years. There's a lot. There's a <laughs> lot there's, here. Yeah. yeah. And um, and I started like reading a lot about art history. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of that is going into these paintings. Um, because I felt kind of uh, dumb. You know, every time I would go to the galleries with my friends, they would be talking about the artist, and I had no idea what anyone was talking about, like, ever. <laughs> I still don't. But and I know a little more. So I decided to teach myself some things. And... Um, the studio like I started off on the second floor in a shared space and then I was at residency when I started uh, that painting Mm -hmm. and um, she was too big so I couldn't fit her in my next studio so then I moved here so I think I've just been kind of growing like my space has been growing according to what the paintings want yeah um, and now I've also I'm feeling a little cluttered in here you have to upgrade I kind of don't want to upgrade because I know the work will just get larger mm-hmm. and no one has that much space in New York anyway it's tough Yeah, I was thinking of getting a fabricator in to help me better utilize the space right and like studio visits, you know, these paintings all had layers of paintings under them. Mm-hmm. And like, it's really hard to show people your work and things like that. So yeah. I was Yeah, but it, even at this scale, you know, if you did like 10 of these, I mean, I it's really hard to have that amount of space for everyone to see that work. No. It's almost like you have to take photos of it or... You can't even photograph yeah. it because you can't walk um, far enough away from it to take like a proper documentation right. photograph. So, like, m- my visitor tomorrow is bringing a camera um, because she's leaving. Like, she's leaving the studio soon. Um, so, I have to. I'll have a little bit of extra space mm-hmm. for like five minutes. <laughs> it so. almost makes you want to go back to miniature scale again. I know, right? You have like three studios. Like you have, you're working from yeah, home. Yeah, but they're, they're not, none of them are huge. I've never had a huge studio. Never. Yeah. The only time I did, I did a residency in Long Island once for three months in the summer, I think it was. And, oh, nice. and it was gigantic. And I just worked in one corner. <laughs> and I would hang a couple other things around it. Yeah. But I just worked in a little space because I'm used to working in a smaller space. Like, I don't want the space that I'm working in to be, like, a cavern, you know. Mm. I want it to feel kind of, I don't know. Intimate. Yeah. Yeah. Even if the work is relatively big, I'd rather it be big and close to the wall. I don't like a huge space. Okay. And, too, I feel like this weird thing of... I think a lot of people feel like their studio is almost like a status symbol. It's like, you know, if I have a really big studio, that means I'm important. I have a feeling of like, I don't 
want a really big space mm -hmm. even if I could afford a giant mm -hmm. space and and I was making big work I don't know that I would want that feeling of like yeah I'm in this studio and I'm making you know oh, I need yeah. this huge studio to make my work you know what I mean <laughs> I just don't think I'd be compelled that to. sounds like such a guy thing <laughs> what to not want a big space like I need a big studio oh yeah that's definitely like a, well it's like a machismo thing you know it's like yeah like the studio, it doesn't matter where you make the work, really, as long as you're making the work. Oh yeah, like, I you can agree. make it anywhere. Yeah. Unless, like you're saying, unless you want to do a 50-yard painting and you have a studio that's 25 yards, then that's going to make it difficult. But still, you could still do it in two sections. You, know? you could. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I never thought I would want a big studio, like. I thought I could paint in a closet mm -hmm. because the small paintings small. are so small. Yeah. And for these, like I make mix the paints in shells, which you can basically like stack, rewash, reuse. I've had the same paint box for almost twenty years. Mm -hmm. It's finally run out of paint with this large work, but um like the process is much more intimate and like meditative with smaller work yeah um but for these um like so like i have a couple of injuries so i can't stand for long periods which is why i have to make them on the floor and um just like this uh, so i need the floor space mm -hmm. i didn't like more than i need the wall right. space yeah so I can like do my work and then I need to put them up and then be able to actually move away and see what I'm doing right step back from them basically yes which you can't do on the floor yeah, yeah. Um, so like that process of moving stuff around just kind of gets really strenuous sometimes mm -hmm. so if I ever like move it'll probably be so I can like physically manage everything a lot better but or I'll have to get someone to come and help me you need walls that can kind of collapse down onto the floor you can work on it and then pull it up on a pulley system like yeah. an inverted garage door thing where they could just go up on the wall you could see it and then they could slide oh, back down oh that would down. be so cool and then you could change the workout yeah that would be really cool See, like, guys are good at thinking about stuff like this. <laughs> I'm useless. Like, I can't, I can't, like, make anything. I can't even, like, hammer a nail into the wall. So, I'm, yeah. I just, I think I need to get someone in to configure the studio. Yeah, to, just hire someone. Yeah, I think there's actually, well, uh, there's this artist, um... In the corridor, her name is Carol Silmonson, mm -hmm. and she told me there's a fabricator in the basement. I didn't that's, know we had a basement. That's convenient. <laughs> so I was thinking of getting his number and yeah. like bribing him with lasagna or. Yeah, look into it. I mean, yeah. the, the one thing that's really interesting though about the scale shift that goes on is the small ones to me are just as impacting. I mean, obviously, this says the scale of the body is like this is you know, one-on-one -on -one scale, mm -hmm. which does something differently. But these still are just as strong in the small scale. You know what I mean? So it's nice that you do have that. 
like ability to work small and it's still where because I feel like it's harder to make a small painting impactful it's easier to make a bigger one impactful oh, just because the scale immediately makes mm. you say whoa yeah, that's yeah. that's big yeah but it's harder to do that with something little and I think your smaller pieces still do that which is kind of nice well thanks sure I've like I've painted small paintings all my life so I feel like it's a vocabulary that I'm kind of fluent in right. like I, I know how to speak the language this is like I have no idea what I'm doing new territory oh my god which is exciting right? it's it's so exciting like ever since the work expanded it became kind of more interesting to just get here every day and mess something up <laughs> <laughs> Um, I didn't have that with the small works, so I really like the challenge. I'm concerned that once I know how to do it, I might want to do something else. Yeah. Well, um, the, the nice thing about these two, though, the thing that I was thinking about is um, site specificity. Like, if you get some sort of show in a specific place that has a certain feel to it and working in that space at this scale might be interesting too. Yeah. Like I spend a lot of time in Japan and going oh, yeah. to these temples where there's the hand-painted screens yeah. in the walls that are, and you navigate through these spaces and they're just beautiful and they're really, I mean not gigantic, but they're large scale in relation to like ukiyo-e or you know like like smaller prints and yeah. stuff. And um, the, the environment is really kind of wonderful, the dialogue between the work and the environment. And these feel like they could have that given specific places mm. that you're installing them, which I would think that if you felt like you've kind of got it down in the studio at this scale at some point, then the flexibility of working within different spaces would activate that scale shift, you know, yeah. to sort of revitalize it each time you do a show or you do a piece for something. That's a good idea. Like, that would be really interesting. I might I might do something for spring break. Mm -hmm. So that could be an opportunity. Yeah. Like it'll be a room and I'm actually terrified of like how to put up a show which is not just like small paintings in a row. Right. So I'm, I'll call you. <laughs> you can choose the work and install can it. Installation <laughs> consultant. <laughs> Seriously. It's like put this one here, that one no, that one does not work. <laughs> Um, but you could also paint a wall a specific color too and then yeah. paint on top of that and integrate which is yeah. I, know, I guess that's the one thing that's really fun about changing your scale or the, the medium of what you're doing is that there's a new flexibility to how you can make it work you know because I, I do some digital work I do animation and I yeah. love the flexibility of oh you could project it or you could have it on a flat screen or you could have it you know embedded in a monitor on the floor or it could be you know and there's so many different ways yeah, that you yeah. can show it yeah which is really fun and it kind of like it i feel like it gives you energy in the in the making of the work too because it's like a new exciting way to show it which is nice so i mean how many times have you seen painters who have like eight paintings in the same gallery space that they're represented by over and over and it just feels like the same show over and over again you know yeah. It gets, sometimes it's hard to break out of that. Yeah, it is. Kind of like what you're saying. If if I don't make a change here soon, this is where it ends. Yeah. You know? But so do you animate your paintings? 
Uh, yeah, well, I do animation. Sometimes I'll scan in paintings. Sometimes I'll draw it out on the computer, and then it becomes a painting. Sometimes I'll scan collages and animate those. So it's, it's not like I do all these paintings and then I animate them. Mm -hmm. It's more of a fluid interaction between the two. But I've done that before where I've just taken paintings and then animate them. Cool. Yeah, I noticed there was like this really strong link between the images of your paintings and the videos. Yeah. Um, you're having a show, right? Like in yeah, a week. Yeah, really soon. <laughs> <laughs> you excited? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Feels good. It's always exciting, right? To like share work, I think. Yeah, I don't know. It's terrifying. But yeah, it's great. Yeah, I don't, I don't get terrified much anymore. Hmm. I think that's just an age thing or something. Like, I just feel excited about it and not scared probably foolishly I should probably be a little more worried about it but I don't know it's nice to get all my friends together and yeah. look at, have them see what I've been doing which yeah. is nice it's kind of a gift yeah I mean I like I like showing like I like the social aspect of it too yeah um, but for some reason like when I get to the gallery I'm fine but like from the way to the house to the gallery I'm just shouting at everyone oh really you yeah. get tense yeah it's like going to the doctor. Wow. <laughs> it's like that whole day you spend just screaming at people. I think I'm just very moody, maybe. Yeah. Are you talking specifically about like your opening day? Or yeah. just installing? or? No, it's usually just the opening the day. Opening. It's like that day, I'm like this terror. But then I get to the gallery, and then everything is totally normal. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's calm. There's not a... Yeah. yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I think, too, once I had, you know, my son, it kind of keeps you from being able to focus. Yeah. Like, you know that really beautiful focusing headspace you were talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I don't really have that anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, I just can never... You're always yeah. thinking about that, or at yeah. least I am. So it kind of takes a little bit of the edge off, I think. That Did happened. That definitely happened. Yeah. Where I think pre having a child, it was art, art, art. How's my art doing? What am I making? Yeah. It was just that all day long, all night long, and it was really about me. Yeah. And then when I had my son, it like a whole chunk of that ego and and yeah. me, me, me just went away. So I don't know if that's good my work or bad for my but it just it is what it is and I just don't it I don't sweat it as much as I think I used to yeah I, I mean I still, I'm still passionate about it and I still really believe in what I'm doing but it just doesn't feel like that's the only thing in the world you know it's like yeah like, no that makes sense like I think artists are really maybe other than investment bankers the single most self-absorbed narcissistic humans um with this like desperate desire to be loved by everyone right it's like yeah hey everyone yeah <laughs> and like it should be like an obligation to have children just so we can be normal <laughs> right. and also like most of the super successful artists have kids and families right i think it grounds you and well, it like makes it, you responsible in a way. To, well, yeah. not everyone, but it implies One a certain responsibility or organization that you could pull things together. You know what I mean? Which yeah. is sometimes an under-focused 
attribute of being, you know, an artist and, you know, sharing your work with people is kind of like having your shit together and being able to like, you know, be on time and do, you know, like all the other stuff. Yeah. And like being able to have a child and keep it alive for an extended (laughs) period of time is really an accomplishment. I know. And if you can do that, like you can probably do anything. Yeah. Especially in this city. Like if you can keep a kid with a pulse in this city for (laughs) for 10 years, you've done something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you might want to put him in a cage if he's 10, because, like, the next 10 are going to be interesting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So your work might end up changing. Right, right. I don't know. Who knows? But, yeah, so many, like, so many great artists have kids, and I really feel like it probably makes the time you're working even more precious in yeah. a way, because you're, you need to share it. Definitely. You become much more, or I became much more focused when I am working. Yeah. Like, I used to dilly-dally, you know, be online or sending emails, or it was kind of more fractured. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, this is my time. I'm going to make it work. Yeah. And just go full on, and then then when I leave the studio, I just go, and then I can kind of, like, have that mental break from it, too, whereas I think sometimes, maybe to a fault when you're at home and after you eat dinner and you made a painting that day and yeah. or you were working on it and it's still in your mind and it's just kind of like weighing you yeah. down you know that kind of like goes out the door and you get a mental break from that that's cool which can be good yeah i know it's all you know yeah it all you're switching it all off yeah that's cool yeah i would yeah i wouldn't mind turning it off sometimes <laughs> <laughs> it's hard but well, i wonder like did it feel like, was that something you had to come to terms with? Like, being able to um, share your, or, like, that emotional shift? Like, was that... For me, it just happened. It's, it, I like to imagine it as, like, you're standing outside of a hotel, and you're looking, like, off in the distance, but you're not you don't really realize it and in front of you is the hotel swimming pool and someone just kicks you (laughs) (laughs) right into the deep end but you're not even looking at the pool someone just kicks you in and then you're like okay like at that moment that you hit the water you realize things are different now (laughs) damn and you just adapt to it like it's not a planning thing it's not and I'm talking like emotionally, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you just, it's a new world. All of a sudden you're in, you're now there. Yeah. And you just, you acclimate to it. Yeah. I mean, humans are amazing at acclimating oh, to things. Oh God, yeah. So I think you just, you know, and that's not a judgment. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I know being kicked in the pool sounds terrible, but no, I'm just no, saying it's, great. it's just a, a kind of a shock to your system, <laughs> yeah. but in a good way, it's, it's invigorating. Yeah. That's how they teach you to swim. At least back home, they just right. throw you in the deep. Yeah, that's the best way to learn, right? Because it's like, instead of sitting there for like three weeks, oh, putting God. your toe in the, in the pool and saying, eh, I don't know if I want to do it, it's just like, just yeah. go right <laughs> Yeah. But I think it's, there is, a, there is a period where you're a little like dizzy and you can't process it, you know what I mean? Because it's overwhelming. But, um, but then you, you acclimate. I have a, you know, a friend an artist who has 
a young baby now and I'm thinking he's he's right in that zone right now oh yeah and it's uh it's amazing and overwhelming and I can't imagine being back in that but yeah. it's 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 a really great kind of thing to have happened yeah know, that's cool if not exhausting <laughs> and, uh, yeah you don't sleep for like I don't know what three years the yeah. first three <laughs> yeah, my guy was not a sleeper I was up all the time and I'm a light sleeper too um. so I would be the one waking up all the time yeah sleep deprivation it's part of it I guess yeah I can, well, I haven't been through it, but I've seen so many people go through it that, yeah, it's like you see the parents, especially in the first year, it's like everyone is a zombie. Yeah, you gotta have that groggy haze. Yeah. I picked up a few pounds, too, from eating, like, ice cream every night just to feel better. (laughs) (laughs) But over here it's harder because, like, um, because of the lack of the extended family. Yeah. Like in, oh boy, that's true. Yeah, in Asian countries, you know, a kid is born, you give it to like your mom, your aunt, and someone is there to bathe, someone is there to like feed, someone is there to give the kid a massage. That sounds so good. Yeah, <laughs> over here it's like the parents do everything on their own. Yeah. And there are so few. A lot of parents don't want like help in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, that I have no idea how they do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the whole healthcare thing too. It's like oh it's God. so not set up for families here. No, no, like that's like a whole I don't even know what that kind of stress would be like. Like the financial aspect mm-hmm. and getting an appointment for a doctor. Yeah. Well I think about when I was a kid how much easier it must have been for my parents because when we go to the store we didn't even wear seat belts we just hopped in the back of a car there were no car seats oh, yeah. there were no protection like it was just no. easy yeah now it's like this whole thing yeah. you know you have to basically get into some sort of like crazy uniform with like a bjorn like attachment and like umbrella thing and you know what i mean you're like a cyborg by the time you get out the door with the kid and you got to pack all this you know, BPA-free, organic, feed, whatever. You know, it's, it's yeah. a lot. I think it's just a lot more fussy these days than it oh, used it to is. be. Oh, it is. I mean, I guess, like, it's also great because, you know, your kid probably hasn't fallen on his head mm. as many times as we did. Right. <laughs> that's, that's true. I think I still have, like, the scar yeah, over yeah. here. But, um, you know, we turned out kind of normal. Right. But... Yeah, like we were passed around like passing parcels and kids now are so protected. Mm -hmm. Even schools have so many rules, like teachers aren't allowed to touch children and like the way they, like you never have to worry about any random stranger shouting at your child. Mm -hmm. It's never going to happen. Things are so appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the hand dryer. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess it's good, like it in some ways. Yeah, but I, I'm, there's a there's a also prevailing thought that kids are just too coddled and they, they don't have backbone because they haven't, you know, gone oh, through yeah. any struggle or turmoil. You know what they call yeah. parents these days? What? You know how they used to call, you know, helicopter parents? Oh. <laughs> where they sort of oversee everything? Yeah. So that was it for a while, but then 
the newer one is curling parents, which is perfect. Wait, what is what is that? Curling like? parents, you know the sport on ice where they like let those they they send the it's Olympic sport where they send the the stone down the ice. It's almost like bowling, but you're trying to get the stone and the target. And there's two people who sit there and sweep in front of the stone so it can glide smoothly. So nowadays parents are curling parents because they they create this smooth, uninterrupted path for the kids to travel through life in. And they don't have any resistance or any, uh, you know. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. It's, times change. People yeah. change, I guess. Well, I'm guessing if you, you are traveling a lot, then, like, it's good because if your child is traveling with you, they'll see how different people live and yeah. how different, you know. That's definitely a plus. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise, like, it's very, like, your world becomes really insular. Right. Yeah, um, travel is so great. Yeah. And I mean, these kids, these days, well, I mean, we're in New York, so it's different. Yeah. But I think generally kids are traveling much more than they used to. Yeah. It's just a lot easier. The New York kids are so savvy. It's scary. Some people say it's a bad thing, but I think it's great. Like, you see kids from the suburbs, and they're afraid to walk down the street to get their ball. And you see, like, this New York kid is, like, walking to school in the morning alone. I know. It's amazing. And I wasn't brought up independent. Mm -hmm. Like, I was brought up in a society where women are meant to be very independent. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, after missing out on a whole bunch of life skills, um, I really value how, like, American children are taught, firstly, how to do so many things for themselves. Mm-hmm. And now they're, I think, learning the importance of that in different places. Like, my friend who's in Singapore said that she took her twins to school and she was carrying their backpack and she just moved there and mm-hmm. they said, does your kid have hands? <laughs> right. Why are you carrying? Do you see these straps? Yeah. <laughs> they told her off and sent her home. <laughs> she learned. She learned, yeah. 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 And it's really like, it's really changed her life and her ability to be a functioning adult mm-hmm. and her kid's ability to like take care of themselves, be amongst themselves and like be a little more sufficient than like needing something all the time it's good yeah i think it's kind of cool like it's different i don't know what do i know about oh i think it generally it's good for humans to be you know self-reliant yes definitely it's uh it's important especially for us artists who are so you know me 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 it's good for us to be able to do things for ourselves (laughs) right yes yeah that would be that would be good yeah yeah Yeah. so what do you um to come back to your work what are you working on now are you just working on new work do you have anything coming up um i'm spring break you were saying you have oh yeah well i think i might be doing like a a group show in feb Mm -hmm. um at this friend's gallery um it's called uh, ETA. ETA? Uh, ETA, like oh, eBay. Gotcha. Um, Is that in Brooklyn or in the city? It's in the city. Yeah. It's in Tribeca. Okay. And they've put together a show um, to benefit the New York Immigration Coalition. Mm-hmm. 
so it's like that's opening on Feb 1st and then in March I'm we haven't found out yet if we've been shortlisted for spring break Mm -hmm. I think we made the first round but we're still waiting Um, so if I do that I'll be doing that with field projects Mm -hmm. and that'll be like that'll won't be a group show that'll be like a kind of a solo booth yeah I might do art on paper and and I have a show in Illinois sure yeah (laughs) when's that that's in March um that's like a group show at the NIU museum which is like a university um Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Northern so, Illinois University, I'm guessing? Yeah, sounds like it. Sure. We'll Google it, just yeah. to make sure. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's like a group show. Yeah. And I'm leaving uh, for residency. When does that start? It starts on the 7th or the 8th of March. It's coming up? Yeah. And where's that? That uh, Mass Mocha. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I haven't that's been... And does that residency like culminate in a certain piece, or is it just an open residency? You know what I mean? Is it for sp- making work specifically there, or how does it work? I think it's, it's just like open. I can do what I want. Yeah. Um, but I'll have all, an empty studio. Oh, it's gonna be so nice. <laughs> yeah. In March, so, so hopefully March. it's gonna be a little warmer. Yeah. So the <laughs> the plan was, you know, if. Like, I can do the spring break and the art and paper openings, and then I can leave the next day. Yeah. And, like, be on my own and do something different. Right. I don't know if it'll be warmer, though, because I think it's supposed to be really cold there, right? Yeah, and these days, it's like winter starts later and it ends later, I feel like. Yeah. I'm taking, I usually take Mr. Heater with me for residencies. That's smart. Yeah, he's very efficient it's a good thing to have yeah <laughs> <laughs> when I went to Vermont Studio Center even though they're all all the places are heated yeah. they're just not heated enough. enough right so your core temperature is a little warmer right you're used to a little slightly yeah. balmier climate than the Northeast <laughs> yeah I grew up in a city with no seasons and no winter yeah. so when I got here for the first time in August I think I was wearing stockings outdoors because yeah. I was cold. And people were like, what is going on? <laughs> I was in a bikinis and I'm like, sorry, I'm really cold. <laughs> so, but now I've, like, I've become better, but I need, like, I need to be comfortable when I'm working. So. Yeah. Well, this is good. I mean, there's a lot of studios in Brooklyn that don't have heat that works this well, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. And also, like, this corner, this corner of the building is next to where the heat starts. Oh, nice. So this corner of the studios are warm. And then when you go to the front, which have, like, nicer windows. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, yeah, at 5 o'clock, they just start freezing. Do you want me to close that? It's okay. Okay. I can take it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, um, yeah, it's, this, yeah, that's another reason I want to stay in the studio. It's, yeah, you strategically picked a good climate space. Yeah. Yeah, and if you get a bigger studio, it might not be quite as warm. That's true. Or you have to get one of those giant 
heaters that they put in, you know, oh God. those big mechanical ones that kick on every 10 minutes and make a, it sounds like a jet engine taking off. It's terrible. Yeah, like, especially with paperwork on paper. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. The first year here was rough because I was in the front, first mm-hmm. couple of years. And I used to, I, at that time I used to work at night and I was sharing, so we had ours and I, it was horrible. Yeah. But now it's like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it feels good. Yeah. Well, your work is really great. It's really Thanks. interesting and um, it's, it's been great coming over and checking it out. Oh, thank you. And for meeting coming. you and talking to you and um, best of luck on the future shows, all these group shows and oh, and your residency. It sounds like it's it's going to be really great. I hope so. And good luck with your show. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Thank you. Yeah, I hope you can come. It's just like it's on the first as well, right? Yeah, February first. Yeah, I want to come and see that. I don't know if I'll be able to make the opening because mm-hmm. I'll have one, right. but I'll either come before or later. Sounds good. Yeah. Cool. All right. Nice to meet you. You too. Thanks. <laughs> Sound and Vision was conceived, produced, recorded, edited, mastered, and facilitated by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find images that I take from the podcast sessions by going to the images page on the website soundandvisionpodcast.com. You can find even more images on the podcast Instagram feed at Sound and Vision Podcast. If you love hearing these artists speak about their life and work, please support the podcast by rating and reviewing it on iTunes. It's also available on Stitcher and Google Play. You can even donate to help support the podcast by clicking the donate button on the webpage. The introduction and accompanying music was generously provided by Michael Lovett. Michael records as Nazca Lines and also Moonlights in the band Metronomy. The bio and outro music were provided by Sean Seymour. Sean and his wife Yoshimi are a band called Lullatone based in Nagoya, Japan. Thanks to them and also Jacob Tutu and Logan Takahashi, who have also lent music to the podcast. Thanks to all the listeners who share and support the podcast. All this is done by myself without funding and ads, and it really is you all who help spread the word, and you spread it well. Many thanks to all of you and all the artists for sharing their stories and time with me. Thank you.